And those things that did work are the things I'm going to share with you today. Your permission is left to raise your standards and live an even more amazing life. Now, if you're feeling like that's way out of the ball game and you're really suffering with like pain and body guilt, shame, anxiety, depression, like these emotions run a lot of people's lives and that's not by accident. Our culture is set up to keep us in those emotions because it's easier to control people when they're in those emotions. But if you're on an awakening journey, you have recognized that those are there. You have taken the most crucial step to get out of that, which is to become aware that it's actually happening. You got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, no, I was just kind of, I, I didn't know where you were going to be in my screen. Mm -hmm. So I thought you were going to be on my right. And now you're in my left. So I was looking at one and I want to kind of have you more, you know, closer to me. So, oh, yeah. so yeah. So when you're conscious, you're conscious probably in most of your different aspects of, of life. So um, you can focus it as you wish. I mean, I can talk about parenting and I can talk about I mean, parenting has been a big, big deal for me. So, yeah, yeah. I'd love know? to share per personal stories from people. And like, obviously you've written in the Ignite Parenting book. So you've shared that story. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but you've shared some of that vulnerable story. Um, why don't we start there? So like, what did your conscious parenting journey look like? How did that start? Um, so, you know, I've, I've always since I had my kids, um, there's, when I wrote in the Ignite book, one very interesting story that comes up to me, and I remember very specifically about that. Um, one day, my daughter was um, planning, the, the school, my daughter's school was planning a Halloween party, and, um, and so she had to dress up. And I was very excited and we're going to have her dress up and so on. And then I come to talk to her and I say, so what do you want to dress up like? And she goes like, um, I want to dress up like a tea party. And I was like, what? A tea party? My gosh, what, how do you dress up as a tea party? And then I thought to myself, and this is kind of an important memory with your question, because it takes me to the place where I kind of realized that I was bringing consciousness to my parenting. So I stopped and said, okay, so I can say as almost, you know, a lot of parents would go like, you, you can't dress like, you can't dress up like a tea party. But then I tell, I told myself, so what am I teaching here? You know, if I say you can't dress up like a tea party, then you can't do so many things. It's a no before any, any creative effort before that. So I said, mm -hmm. okay, so we just have a challenge. And I said, okay, we'll dress you up as a tea party. So I bring that up in the Ignite story because it took me to different places. First, the place of being conscious of the effect and the impact that it was going to, that my decision regarding her costume was going to have on her. But then mm -hmm. the whole process of being creative myself to come and do something was awesome for her. And so I went to a store and I thought about how I'm going to do this. And suddenly we came up with this great idea where we kind of bought um, like a piece of square foam that was like, like you could grab it, like you could grab your square foam. And then I just cut a little, a little kind of cut in the, in one of the sides and put it around her waist. So mm -hmm. she became a square, she had like a square something around her waist. So I bought up a tablecloth 
and I put that like a square <laughs> tablecloth and she mm -hmm. was suddenly a table. So we put plastic, beautiful tea party set plates. We right. put real cookies and we put cups and we, and then I put like a beautiful, you know, flower arrangement in her head. And it, she was like the flower vase and there was this beautiful table. So it was just like a beautiful experience. But then what comes after that is that we go to school and everybody's, oh my goodness, what is this costume? This girl, she looks so precious. It's beautiful. So what's she dressed up like a tea party and oh my God, and everything was beautiful. So then the, the contest comes. And so the contest and she was, you know, the first prize It's like, you know, and so we huh. need you in on stage. And she goes like, no, I'm not going to go on stage. And then mm. everybody's like, we need you on stage. You've got the first prize. I mean, this is the most amazing costume. I don't want to be in the stage. And she started, you know, and I was like, what are you doing? It's like, you're going to get your prize. You know how kids are always like, I never win the prize. I want my prize. And they, you know, the little basket of whatever silly things they are given. And she started crying. And then suddenly I realized, I said, okay, this has become about me right now. Why is it so important for me for her to get on stage? Right. It was the process, you know, it was the process of everything that happened. It's not about the prize or my daughter being on stage and me getting my ego fed with, I just won the first prize because of my amazing creativity. And I was like, this is not the, you know, so it took me to a second step of consciousness. And so it was great because then I had to pull back my ego and say, okay, okay, she doesn't want to go back on, you know, she doesn't want, she doesn't want to go on stage. And I had to tell myself, it's all about the process. And she didn't go back on stage. And all the adults were like, but it's your prize. It's like, and I say, well, she, you know, it's not important anymore. She's happy. She did her costume. And so it was a lesson for me where I realized that there's going to be moments when you have as an adult to say, this is where I have to come and that the rest is their space. You can't mm. go just impose your expectations and what you want in their space. They have to mm. live their developmental process and, and be ready to say in one moment of her life, say, you know, this is the moment where I'm ready to go there and, and shine or be in front of everybody. Or So that's a good example of how pen, conscious parenting has come to me mm -hmm. as a more um, practical, um, way, because before that I started taking courses about parenting and I had done a lot of work on what attachment parenting meant. Also positive guidance. And we had a big group of people. We worked with the university of Texas in Austin, uh, with a group of moms, uh, helping some teachers do a project about, uh, positive guidance and we had like a group of moms that or parents that were working um, just hearing theory and learning about the importance of positive guidance and then we had a group that was not but both groups were participating in class helping mm. children so you could see the effect of when you know what you're doing and when you don't know yeah and so from from earlier on I had already started working on my conscious parenting but mm -hmm. this is a moment where it was between, I was completely confronted by myself, you know, 
It was just mm -hmm. like here you are imposing and putting your ego in front in front of what it is for the child. So mm -hmm. you know those two. I've been you know the the theory and the study and the interest has been all the way. You know, I've been mm -hmm. wanting to be conscious even since before having my daughter. She's the oldest of three. So I had read about, you know, the baby whisperer and, and how you bring your kids home from the hospital and you have to make them part of the family and all these things that are, you know, so many of them. But, but having the experience of seeing yourself is just already having the ability to pull out of yourself and look at yourself when you're parenting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that story. I love that story, Anna, because it just shows, you know, if I think about Halloween costumes, most parents go, you know, what would you like to be Halloween? Would you like to be X, Y, or Z? And they give options, right? Whereas you just ask, what would you like to be? And let her come back to you with that, right? That in itself is huge. Then she says a tea party and you're like, a tea party like what right but you encouraged her uniqueness her individuality her you know her creative vision how beautiful to support you know she has this creative vision and then you show up as this like supportive environment where all of those things happen to make it turn out you know the way that looks really good so good that she wins the contest wow right and then this piece where like the what, whatever it was within <laughs> yes. her doesn't doesn't need to be on stage doesn't need to be I'm number one you're not winning you know like she doesn't have to do any of that she just wants she just wanted the costume and what you said about like it's a journey you know the, the for her making the costume spending time with you having you support her idea like all of these things are the things that the, the childlike soul is really asking for you know before it gets sort of uh filtered through oh i must be number one i must be the best you know all of that stuff that sort of comes gets put on us and then becomes a value that that we hold because it's been put on us because we've been told that it was important and so i, I just think that's an incredible story sharing a really practical practical version of that and and when it comes to conscious parenting like it is really where the rubber meets the road where like your ego versus their ego or their developing ego or you know your ego of how you think it should be or how you were raised or what you think is important versus what's actually happening in the moment what's actually needed in the moment um there's a really great uh, story that just popped to mind of I, it was really important to me that my son knew that he was always safe. So by the time he was four, I had probably told him, you're always safe, you're always safe. You know, if, if something happened, uh, if he got hurt a little bit, I'd be like, oh, you're hurt a little bit, but you're always safe, you know? Because when we're in that yes. fear, fight or flight, the messages go deeper into our brains. And I wanted him, yes. you know, I was scared. Uh, lots of parents are, are fearful for their children's safety. So it was like, partially for me, partially for him. Then he's about four years old and we get these strap on roller skates. They literally just like strap on top of shoes. They're like, you know, they're not super expensive or anything, but they're, they're new, they're novel, they're exciting. He puts them on his feet. And I, I don't know how many times my mom told me like, you could break your skull, you could break your wrists, you could pull, like scrape all your skin off. Like you need to wear wrist guards, you need to wear a helmet, you need to wear elbow pads, you would need to wear knee pads, like all of these things, right? So for me, uh, roller skating is a really dangerous activity. I'd sprained my thumb doing it. Like I had a physical injury from it. So there's a lot of like <gasps> need to protect yes. in me around this activity. 
And my son is on the, the driveway and I've been holding his hand and sort of helping him. He sits down on the front stairs and it's only two stairs, you know, sort of there's like one stair, another stair, a little bit of a platform and then the front door to my parents' house where we were visiting when this was happening. And he tries to stand up on the stairs and I just hear my mom's voice, don't stand on the stairs, don't climb the stairs with your roller skates, don't, don't go anywhere near the, you know, it's like, <laughs> like screaming at me through like sort of this, the psychic space yeah. that I have. And I go, Alex, don't climb on the stairs. You know, I didn't stop myself. I didn't have that presence to sort of pause. But what happened is he turned around and he went, mom, I'm always safe. Aww. Don't worry about me. You know? Yeah, it's, it's and I was like, oh, right. And that was enough to sort of separate me yes. from that programming, which was so, so strong. Yeah. Yes. And go, wait, is he actually in danger? Okay, what happens if instead of freaking out and telling him he can't, what happens if I just stay close enough that in case he goes flying, I can catch him, you know, and yeah. watch peacefully, watch gracefully, just be like, okay, yeah, everything's still good. Yeah, everything's still good. Yeah, everything's still yeah, good. Make you know, sure you make sure you know that you keep your face a little bit forward so you don't fall to your back or some kind of tip to make it so that he can protect himself without developing the fear. Yeah. Yeah, that that's fear phobia. Beautiful. And and it's I think that's a great example, sort of the other side of the spectrum where like I didn't necessarily have enough wisdom in the moment, but he came back with with wisdom mm. being like, yes. It's okay, mom, it's okay. And so often that is what's happening, but our our own stories from our parents or our grandparents, intergenerational, whatever that might be, are so loud, are so present that we don't even realize that that's happening. You know, it's funny because that makes me think of a story that, you know, it, again, we go back to those moments of consciousness where mm -hmm. one day I was playing at a park and I had my kid was really small and there was a, a friend of mine, you know, like a neighbor, more than a close friend. And she was at the park playing and she comes and I start looking at her and everything her son did was like, because I am quite fearful like you said like I'm I've been taught to be that way I'm not the bold uh you know risky one but yeah. <laughs> I was conscious to kind of said okay they have to be able to climb the slide or the monkey bars you know so I was on a place of a little bit more consciousness but this friend of mine smart woman she was like oh my gosh don't do that oh my gosh don't do that and oh my I was like goodness it was incredible because the, the lady was all over her child and don't do that. Don't do that. Stop, stop, stop. And then suddenly I was like, he's not going to be able to do anything. So yeah. a couple years later, a couple years later, no, a couple days later, a couple days later, I come back to the park and the lady's there and there's an, another neighbor coming with this son that was like super built the same age as our children. And he was barefoot with the right shorts the right t-shirt climbing like a crazy monkey everywhere any i mean it was and then and then i started seeing the interaction of both kids and how the mom starts going close to me and telling me this guy's such a bully he's a bully he's bullying my kid he's hitting my kid and suddenly i see her telling her kid you have to hit him back. And I was like, okay, here's just a huge contradiction. If you teach somebody to be fearful all the time,
and then you want him to go fight back a bully, it's not going to work. So the kid would look at the mom. I'm talking about, I don't know if it's three or four-year-olds. It was like really young. Mm-hmm. And look at the mom and not even be able to, I mean, he would not have a clue what to do. Right. He was this very, very not agile, not uh, skilled kid in going around. He would not have the strength of going back and forth and pulling in the bookmark. And then he was supposed to hit a bully that, you know, it was like, it's, it's not logical. You, and I was, and I, for, in my opinion, that's not how you approach. There's lots of parents who say the only way to have yourself as a child, your, your child be respected by other people is that you hit back or you make them. I cannot teach my children to hit back. I'm like, I don't teach them that. But of course, there's been conversations in my house where my kids come to me and say, well, mom, not letting somebody do what you, what they're doing to you and not hitting them back is quite difficult. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) and I say, well, there's your challenge now. That's your challenge. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to be respected and, and be strong without needing to go on violence because then you're inviting yourself to go to a world where the strongest will always win because Mm. it's about who is strongest, you know, against the other one. And, and that's not a good world. So you have to make sure that you figure that one out. Mm -hmm. Your voice has to be stronger. Your personality has to be stronger. Something has to happen in you so that these people don't, get along with whatever they want and you just let them or have to go and hit them, you know? So mm-hmm. it's just kind of a, a reflection on what you were saying. It's, you know, it, it is important to, to be able to be conscious of all these things that we're telling them because, mm-hmm. you know, they're grasping fear, mm-hmm. not, I'm not safe, but then well- yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and, and all of those things that all everything that we say to them before they're seven goes straight into the subconscious and just oh, gets yeah. stored there. This is information that I need in order to live in life. Okay, so I have one message that says I shouldn't try things that are dangerous and another message that says I should fight back against bullies. The heck do you do with that, right? So then, so then the, the, the child goes, but I trust my mom and my mom tells me the truth. But my mom is telling me conflicting things. So now there's like two conflicting things. Plus that's conflicting with trust of mom, right? So you're, you're eroding yes. trust. You're eroding capacity in the child to handle it. Um, it is really scary to watch your child do something that you don't think that they can do. But what I found for sure in that moment is I like to say uh, to, to Alex, my son, I go, Alex, the thing you're doing makes me feel really scared for your safety right now. So then it's, he's doing something. This is my feeling. He can then choose what he wants to do in relation to my feeling. He trusts me, so he might think twice about it. But uh, oh, I can't remember what the example was. But like just the other day, he was doing something, and I was like, ah, ah, I was freaking out. And then he goes, Mom, I'm fine. It's the same, same thing again, right? Like, I'm nervous. He's fine. <laughs> and, uh, and he just goes, I'm fine. And then I let go. And I was like, what if he was fine? And what's the worst thing that could happen if he did get hurt. And I was like, well, we're outside on grass. So like, it's pretty, you know, 
<laughs> it's probably pretty it's small. Not too whatever much. It is. It's not too much. And obviously, if there's something where like somebody's life is in danger, totally, that's a good moment to speak up and go, hey, stop. But you still have to have built that trust that says like, when mom says stop, like I stop, right? And if you have too many conflicting other stories, it's really challenging hmm. for that. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, this sort of makes me think, would you be, would you, could you talk a little bit about, you know, once we start realizing we're conscious of our parenting and we realize we've done all of these, these weird sort of story pieces, you know, like imagine we are that mom who gave these conflicting pieces of information to her child and she's now got a 10 year old or an 11 year old or something like that. She goes, wow, like, what did I do? <laughs> what did I do? Mm -hmm, yes. You know, she's starting to have that self-reflection and, and realize, oh, the words I shared are impacting. Maybe they're showing up as behaviors now and she's got enough consciousness to deal with that. Like, how do you, how would you recommend dealing with that as a mother to start sort of repairing some of that or dealing with it? You see, I think that the, one of the first things that you have to consider when, when you come to the place of, you know, of mending or, you know, coming back to what you've done is you really have to talk to yourself about what your belief is in terms of authority. Like hmm. if you believe that the authority is like, I am here, you're there and you listen to me and, and you're a little bit scared of me then I would have to address it and talk about it in a certain, in a different way. It doesn't mean that you do not, you, there's nothing you can do. It just means that the approach is very different. Mm -hmm. I, I still have, I have a, a teenager already and I have younger kids. And I always say that in parenting, you know your result when they're 40. You know, when you see an independent adult <laughs> that is flamboyant and happy and successful in the sense that they're independent enough to take care of themselves then you know you did a good job. So you never have a clue whether you're doing right or wrong. And it's, you know, even as passionate as I can be in my beliefs, I, I never know until, you know, until all this comes to where I see the results, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I cannot say right now that the authority is not necessary at all. I just tell you that I prefer the approach of not imposing an authority that uh, is based on fear like they fear me a little bit although it happens in my house you know sometimes I come like Aah! and then they fear me and so they, but that's not what I believe in I think that there has to be a more creative way of having an authority that has to do with more of a respect it doesn't mean it's always easy it just means it's it's where I try to work on so mm -hmm. if I stand in that place where I my authority is not necessarily imposed by fear, although some of that comes even instinctively, you know, like sometimes you as a parent, you come with authority and it, it produces fear, but that one I'm fine with. I'm just not fine with saying, if I come as the little monster and you fear mm -hmm. me, then you're gonna, mm -hmm. I don't like that. And so when you stand in that place, my one, the second part of this is vulnerability. So I teach my kids, we are human beings. You and I, we are the same. I am the parent. I am the adult. I have lived longer than you. I have the experience. And you are going to use me to grow safer, or to facilitate things for you in a sense. Mm. But I am also as vulnerable as any human being. I will make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I, I even go to a place where I tell them, if I am hurting you, mm -hmm. 
if you feel that I'm telling you something and you feel you're not worth anything, that I am making a mistake because there's mm. nothing I should do that putting, puts in question your value or your worth. You mm. always have to know that when it's about your worth, that's much more important than my place as a mom. So I'm going to make a million mistakes and you have to know that. So mm. what I do in my house is that I open up all the conversations and I say, well, I'm very distressed or, you know, I'm in distress because of this, or I'm, I don't think this is healthy or you are doing that. Or, and I get all, and I say, maybe this is not the right way of saying it, but I'm feeling this way and I'm not perfect and I don't know how to handle it. And so for some people, it's just too open. Mm -hmm. But I feel that my kids little by little kind of learn that, you know, we are not perfect and we're not the law and we're not, you know, they have to build some power within themselves. So to me, when that happens, the result is not immediate. You don't get a mm -hmm. kid when you do that, when, when this is your philosophy and you bring up children educating like this or disciplining like this, what happens is that you don't see an immediate result. It's not like they say, okay, sit down and everybody sits down and do you know, everybody does it. No, but in the long run, mm. when you go to work and you have to sit in a table and everybody has an opinion and you have to respect their opinion and things don't come out the easy way, they know how to deal with that. You know, mm -hmm. because they've learned that that person made a mistake and it's not for me to say, you have made a mistake. It's like, you know, we're working together as a group of imperfect people, you know, imperfect human beings. So mm -hmm. to me, one of the main things that come, comes out from this is that it's not every mistake you make as a parent, you can share with your child. You know, mm. it's not, and everything can be mended because the important thing is for them to see your process of being conscious. That's more important than anything. How about when you say, Hey, you know what? Remember I taught you this. I don't think that's appropriate anymore. Mm. What do you think? I think I taught you this, but now I'm thinking back and I say, well, what's the effect of that? And I don't think you felt it taught you anything or I'm not feeling comfortable. I think, for example, I'm going to bring like a super delicate one here. Like let's say you were racist or you were discriminatory towards something and mm -hmm. you didn't even know you had that. And then your child has seen that. So you can come to your child and say, you know what? I don't think that's okay. I was taught maybe this and I don't think that's going to take us anywhere. I think mm -hmm. this is the right approach and I want us to work together to get mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. I would work and you can work because let's open up a conversation about what it means, you know, to have done this or that. So mm -hmm. if that mom in the park goes to speak to the child and says, you know what, I'm realizing and the child sometimes they're too young. So I, I, I sin by going to them even when they're too young and opening up these conversations. And some people yeah. are like, they don't know what they're talking about. But I think it's much better to open up a space as appropriate as you can make it for them to at least not have a subconscious conflict, you know, mm -hmm. that's gonna, they're mm -hmm. going to carry forever. So I prefer that mom to come and say, hey, you know what, honey, I've seen that I've been teaching you to not do this, not do this, not do this. And then this kid comes and he hits you and I say, hit him back. Let's think about that. 
I'm not sure that's the right approach. And then, you know, go figure it out. Call a psychologist, talk about it. You know, I don't know, but not yeah. leave the kid feeling that he's miserable and like a total loser because he's letting somebody hit them when he doesn't have the tools to defend himself, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and being able to say, I don't know how to handle that right now. What do you think are some ideas? Yes. Huge. Cause yes. then you're bringing your creativity, you're bringing their creativity, yes. you're inviting yes. something different. Right. And, and it's okay as a parent, you know, I think, especially in a generation sort of older than we are, there's this like, there's a lot more of like a dictatorial or tyrant sort of energy into parenting. Whereas, uh, you know, people who are under 50 have a bit of a different perspective in that where it, it, there is a lot more of that softer parenting, the attachment parenting, like you mentioned, and this idea mm -hmm. that, you know, we're going to work together to figure it out. And, and I found, I found that be, to be really helpful when I go, Hey, I don't necessarily know how to do this. Can we figure something out together? How can we make this work? Mm -hmm. You know, you're not happy right now. I'm not happy right now. You know, in those moments where things are a little crazy, it's like, what, just, let's just take a breath, a breath, take a moment mm -hmm. and see, you know, calm down and then have another conversation about what can happen. I'm always a fan of communication. I think that even if you don't know what the solution is, communicating still helps. And the kids learn, you know, they learn that it's a process and, and that you're always, because developing consciousness, it's about asking yourself questions about, did I do it right? Did I do it wrong? And so I think that that process is more important to make them come from a place of self and of truth than when you're always out there, like, you know, juggling with so many expectations. That's kind of a huge one for me. I think that one of the main issues with parenting to me is the expectations that we as adults put on our children. Mm. So I think that's a very, very big um, kind of challenge for parents. And let's say for everyone, to deal with the expectations that have been put on them. So that's like, for me, it's one of the main topics in parenting. It's like we, from the moment our kids are born, we have all these beautiful beliefs about what it is to be a parent and all these big expectations of mm -hmm. what the kids are. And mm -hmm. I think that's where the ego is playing like a super important role. And we forget that they come programmed to be themselves mm -hmm. and we start imposing expectations and 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 things on them and and there's moments where the kids have no clue who they are anymore they don't mm -hmm. know what they like they don't know who they are they don't know the friends they want to pick the things they feel they don't even know how they feel Mm -hmm. Because you're not supposed to feel too sad or you're not supposed to feel too scared or you're not supposed to feel too excited because people get bothered by everything, right? Yes. Yeah, it's like, shh, don't be so loud. Yes. Oh my gosh, I got yes. so much of that. I hated it. I spent like my early 20s, mid-30s being like, ah, I, I can be loud. It's okay, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and imagine like so how I, children I think might that... be if we raise them without that, right? If we raise them to... to to be how they are. Yeah. You, you I were know. Say. It's, it's, it's scary, you know, to think how much of their space and their potential we take away when mm -hmm. we, I mean, and it's, it's, it's always a balance. That's kind of the challenge because <laughs> you can't say, okay, you know what, do whatever. No, 
you do whatever, but you can't bother the other one, right? You have, to, you have to live in community. So you have to teach the balance. But even that conversation is important. It's like you need to shine and be you and occupy your space. But at the same time, you have to respect every other, other people's space, you know, other, other people's or person's space. But to me, the problem mainly goes back to the expectation. It's like the mm. expectation the parent has. Mm. When you hear things like, it doesn't matter what you do. You just have to be the best at it. Why? So some people say, I don't, it doesn't matter, but you have to be a doctor or you have to be, to have a career or yeah. you have to get good grades or it doesn't matter. You have to just be the best. So no matter, I have a friend and she's super, super smart like, you know, genius kind of smart. And one day we were talking about the child and her child, and she was saying something like, oh, I'm so happy I know what they like now because I can manipulate them. So you do this or I don't do that. And I was like, oh, that sounds horrible. But then I see myself doing that in my house. You know, my <laughs> teenager wants something and then I know that she, they don't care about anything I say. You won't get this. Or, you know, when you talk about consequences, you mm -hmm. won't get this. You go get, if you don't know what they want, you don't know what to take away. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm being the same monstrous thing that I'm doing mm -hmm. the same thing. But then one day she, I told her, we had a conversation and I said, you know what? it is important to give them a space and not have all these huge expectations of wanting them to do this or that. And, and she comes to me and she tells me something like, okay, I figured it out. I told her, I, she comes to me even worse because it's even deeper assumed, you know, she's like, you know what? I think in my family, the person that is really going to be great, the person that is really going to make it is this, this child, the one we were talking about. And I was like, yo, how is that? Changing from one thing to the opposite. And I was like, because she, you know, or he, they can become an Olympian. And I was like, an Olympian? Yeah. So I said, you know what? Your great sibling has already been a champion in whatever sport or whatever thing he's doing or she's doing. And she has or not had yet reached a point. But now if I analyze well, her built is good for this. And she has the potential to become an Olympian and, a me and, and win a medal. And I'm like, gosh, what happens <laughs> if she doesn't win a medal? What happens if she's not the best in the class or he's not the best in the class? They don't win a medal. They're not an Olympian. And they're absolutely great, creative, fulfilled, independent adults that have wonderful lives. You know? Mm -hmm. So those expectations come from a place of craziness to me. And, mm. and we get them and we have them. You know, we get them from our parents and society and teachers and everybody. And we... And we have them with, for our children. And mm -hmm. I think that's very hard to deal with because it's, mm -hmm. it's the, that's the place where you feel you're not enough. Mm. Whenever you confront your results and your process in life, which can go up and down, you, it's a process, yeah. with whatever is expected from you, that's where you feel I'm not enough because these expectations don't match where I am. 
and I mm. don't think that's healthy. So, you know, it's more about the expectation. More, okay, so more than the expectation, it's about, to me, it's about the trust on that person being able to occupy their space to be themselves, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and be happy to embrace their, you know, their, their being. That's the expectation. And then around that, everything you want, you know, how are you being able to figure this out or to become an independent human being or to learn to get to the point where you can be what you want to be, you know, more mm-hmm. than, more than what is it that I'm going to become? And, and if I don't become that, I'm just not good enough for mm-hmm. everything. And that's in your subconscious forever, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. So, and, and how many people, how many people, you know, go and become the doctor, the lawyer, the whatever, you know, that their parent, the Olympian that their parents wanted them to be and end up totally miserable there because it's not in alignment with their soul, with their heart, what yes. they really wanted. They're following somebody else's dream or they're seeking the white picket fence life. And like, they don't actually care, you know, it's yes. like all of these things. And then how do we go about separating you know, those expectations. I think you, you touched on something really great in there. I mean, the whole thing, but like specifically, there was this one piece of, um, you know, those expectations that, that your friend had that have been passed to her, you know, she somewhere, she somehow got that program. That's like, you can do anything you want, but you need to be the best at it. Mm -hmm. Olympian status best, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Not just, you know, best in your town, not just best on your team, but like whole world best. Right. And, and how much of that we look at, um, I think Jim Carrey's a great example. Like his dad could have been a comedian, chose to be an accountant instead and was super, super sad in his life as a result of that, like lived his life to support his family, which is, you know, it's whole own thing we can talk about another time. Um, but there's this sense that like, because of his dad's unmet dreams, he chose that path, right? Maybe it just runs in the family line, but maybe it's like, wouldn't have chosen that path if it hadn't been for, you know, those, those expectations or those failed dreams or whatever it is from, from our parents. And the, the Celestine prophecy talks about that too, how like our sole purpose is the combination of our parents' sole purpose, which is, which is an interesting concept. But then if you think about it, like how many people are not living their sole purpose? Oh, you know, it's, you know, my daughter, I always wanted to be a doctor. Mm. And, and because of the expectations, I completely got lost because I wanted to mm. be a doctor to connect with people, to support mm. people, and because I cared. And I have mm. a big passion for science. So the human body was amazing to me. And then when I started going to see surgeries and operations and talk about this, it was always like, I'm not going to be a physiotherapist. I'm not going to be a, I have to be the surgeon, you know, I have to be the super doctor. And, Mm -hmm. and then when I would go to a surgery, there was no communication, no connection. No, it was very mechanical. Like they were operating surgery for a hand. It's just, they opened the hand and that was not my calling. So because the expectation was so huge that I put on myself, but that's where Mm -hmm. I, you know, that's what I learned that I just said, it can't be this. And so I started doing something different and I just didn't go into medicine. Don't completely mm. mistaken, I think, but you know, but that's mm. what I did. And my daughter, she has 
since she's born, she wants to be a doctor and she wants to be a doctor. And, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how much of that is really hers? And I get, I fear, you know, I say, I don't want yeah. her to have gotten anything from the fact that I didn't do it, you know? And it's, mm. it's a big question because how mm -hmm. much of that she's very firm and that's what she wants to do. And I'm like, I, oh gosh, please help her figure it out on what she really wants to do without having to pick up on my, you know, not fulfilled dream or, but it is, you know, in reality, it all goes to expectations from external, um, you know, sources or mm -hmm. that are, you know, come from your culture, your parents, your teachers are dangerous. So for us mm -hmm. as parents and educators to be able to take, you know, a lot of put a, you know, be careful in how we build those expectations because mm -hmm. that in the, in the future is going to be the late, you know, the, the, what they're going to compare themselves with and they need to be their own so that they can mm -hmm. align Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's going to be very hard. And I think that's the big misery of a lot of people today. Mm. That they know they're a failure. But because mm. the measure is not their measure. Mm -hmm. So, of course, they're a failure. And I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, you, can't, you can't measure yourself up to what you're not. You know, it's, it's, you can't. You can't do that. So, I, I find that that's one big, big thing in parenting. That we don't really talk about that that much, you know. There's mm. some things in parenting that we talk about a lot and disciplining and, but, but expectations that are becoming aware of where you put your expectations in regards to your children. I think that's a very important point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a troublesome journey as a, as a mother or as a father, I think to, to balance that and deal with yeah. our own expectations, mm -hmm. what we were raised with, you know, the things we haven't processed yet. And the more of those there are, I think the more complex and more challenging it is. Um, what are some of the ways that you have worked with people or worked with yourself to help, you know, dismantle some of those expectations or ideas around what your kids should be? That, that's a big process. You know, I think it's a big, big process. Um, I think that uh, working on consciousness is important. I think that just the fact that you know that you can look inside of you. Like at this point in life, what I do with my children is I tell them, make sure you understand that you are not just your mind. Mm. You are somewhere above. So your brain tricks you. Mm. you. You have to integrate your heart, your brain with something that's bigger. There's a moment, for example, nowadays with technology, that's a big thing with kids right now. It's like they're all mm -hmm. in technology and I don't think it's very safe. I think it's really detrimental to the health, you know, the, the brain mm -hmm. development and yep. it's generating a lot of, uh, lots of addiction and anxiety. So I say to the kids, your brain tricks you. You think that's where you want to go, but that's a trick. You have to be able to say, I have to manage my mind, my brain, and I have to bring my heart, and I have to somehow have a center in something that goes beyond. And mm. my kids, you know, it's not an easy concept, but I think that's what works for me. I don't think we are just, you know, this thing that 
lives and dies and nobody cares. I think there's a big energy and, and, mm. and I think we can all feel it if we're invited to, but mm. you were not sometimes invited to. So to me, um, the, the becoming conscious, that process, once you start, it will be there forever. Because it mm -hmm. will allow you to look down to yourself and say, okay, I did this right. I did this wrong. There's a distance between you. There's an exercise that I don't remember very well, but it's, it's an exercise where you're thinking and it puts you somewhere. And then you ask yourself a question and your brain goes like, you know, it's like, it can't do it. It can't think those two things at the same time. And it has mm -hmm. to do with looking at yourself from another perspective mm -hmm. and it's beautiful because you realize how you are you can there's some parts of you that are are go beyond you know mm -hmm. you have to invite something different so when you start being more aware and you start bringing some consciousness you have lots of ways of exploring the world in a different sense and it's about understanding you understanding your relationship with your parents and your educators with your culture it's mm -hmm. a lot about being great grateful to what you have a lot about forgiving and knowing that it's all about the process in which you embrace being you and 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 interacting with this world we're in right now so mm -hmm. to me it's 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 a process you you know for me it has learned a lot to do um lots of study in you know neuroscience in some way mindfulness in another uh i have a lot of things i don't like you know in in this world of consciousness sometimes you think about the super extraordinary being and i'm like what if you don't need to be an extraordinary being it's just extraordinary to be you know mm -hmm. so i have mm -hmm. my own approaches to that because it becomes mm -hmm. like and it's funny because you see people talking about consciousness but then they've got brands and money and they say i you want to make five million dollars or you want in a five years and what does that mean i'm like okay so why is the consciousness taking us again there it's like we don't have to go there you can just mm -hmm. live your own process in which you become aware of what is it that works for you so at this time in my life, I'm kind of trying to go to a place where I say, okay, it doesn't have to look like the big flashy success. It doesn't have to look like it has to look like what is fulfilling me. And where mm -hmm. is it that I want to be? You know, how is it that I really want to be there and, 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 and stay there? Because I think that it, again, it's a process. I, I do study a lot. That's what I do all the time. And when I talk to my clients, um, I have done a, a master's in executive coaching and organizational behavior. So we've worked a lot on the, the tools with, with coaching. And I can mm -hmm. tell you this, for example, in terms of coaching, I learned all the tools. They were awesome. They really teach a lot and they kind of uh, specify the different steps of a, a healthy relationship of communicating with someone to help them in their you know objective and purpose mm -hmm. for each session and in general right but then when you go to do your coaching sessions and you do that it doesn't work <laughs> because it feels it feels fake 
Mm. And so the clients don't care about that process. The client care, you know, the clients care about the rhythm and the interaction and the fluidity in which you relate to them and you both work together for answers or for experiences or so you have to have gone through the process of studying to maybe get better somewhere there in the back or but the reality is that it's up to the relationship and what the relationship at the moment is bringing for you to come with your real strength as a coach Hmm. so it's always you know a little bit of a juggle in between all these things you're learning you know all the books you can read all the conference you can conferences you can go to all the uh the masters you can have the titles the degrees and and the practicality and the connection and the bringing it to you know to real life and to just be there so that's kind of what i find um, it, it is a journey in the sense that there is a lot of work behind mm. and a lot of exploration but it has to come with looking inside and having to see how i'm doing it messing up here do i really like this am i going to play that this person i like it they did something good i learned from them but do i really want to play that role like I see a lot of people like talking about, you know, mindfulness and consciousness and, and, and they are in conflict with that and also with making the millions, you know. And so it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be one against the other, but you just have to say not, not everybody has to go to the same place. So it's a process always with yourself to see where is it that you want to go. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And if, if where you want to go is, you know, not where the person who's teaching you is leading, probably don't uh-huh. go that direction. Right. If, yes. if where you want to go is, you know, children who can make their own decisions, who feel whole and integral within themselves, probably the question based, you know, we're working together as a team approach might be more effective for that. Whereas if you're looking for children who will get up, sit down, you know, go there, come here, be really obedient, then maybe the tyranny is like more effective at creating that result, right? If we're we're bringing it back to kids. And same with our own mindset and our own relationship, right? Like as much as we're externalizing this conversation, talking about kids and families or, or work and who we're working with, like we have that kind of relationship with ourselves. Are we running, you know, the inside of our, our personal work? Is it running like a tyranny? Do this or you will fail. Do this or you will you know, do this and you will succeed? Or is it like, huh, is what we're working, you know, is it working for us? Is what we're doing working? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I thought I said this and I thought that might work, but it turns out it's not. What should we do differently, right? They're they're very different approaches and there's other approaches in between. There's blends, there's whole other, you know, there's other dynamics that we haven't even talked about. Those are just two of them. And I think for me, the most important is is a, a Japanese philosophy, Kaizen, which is just like daily small improvements. So it's like, oh, okay. If we can accept this where it's at today, you know, the room is a mess mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. Yeah. Okay, today it's a mess. Okay, how can, we, how can we encourage, you know, our children or ourselves or our business or whatever we're working on, how can we encourage that to be a little bit better? 1%, you know, 1% better today, 1% better tomorrow. It's 365% mm-hmm. better 
by the end of the year than it was. And if you see again, it comes to expectations, you know, it again yeah. comes to expectations because it's like in my house, are you supposed to have your perfect, beautiful house? And I say, well, it's about my perfect, beautiful house or my children having fun and learning yeah. and exploring yeah. and doing. So you're like, okay, I, they need to know that they have to have a, you know, a safe house that looks okay. And then there's no, uh, you know, unsanitary something or, but it doesn't no have to look in the so corner. perfect. Yes. <laughs> and you have to say, okay, at a, at a, you know, it's not going to look as good, but I don't want to spend my energy cleaning. Yeah. What doesn't need to be clean. You are living. So it, again, it's like the expectation. I change my expectation. It's like, okay, it's fine. It's not so beautiful and it's not the super like magazine yeah. house right now, but we're living here, you know, especially yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and with that expectation, it's also like ourselves, right? So if, if we, if we have an expectation that our house is this clean and it's actually like not that clean, there's a, a gap between expectation yes. and reality yes. and that creates suffering a lot of the time. Yes. And so that's where I love to, you know, encourage people to bring in practices like self-love, like, okay, so even though I have this expectation that everything's going to be, um, look like a show home 24 seven, and that's not where it's at right now. I still love myself. I still accept myself. I still love my children. I still accept my children. You know, what can we do to, to make this work for me? Because I'm going a little bit crazy with how messy it is. <laughs> You know, and then it's again yes, like asking questions, like how can we make this work, and and that becomes a more, you know, when I think when we when we do that work as mothers to go, okay, here's my expectation, and here's where reality is, and and fill the gap between them with acceptance and love. Mm -hmm. That's unconditional. Yes. Like then then I feel like we're really doing good good work as mothers in terms of letting our children know that no matter what they do, that they're accepted. And then still, you know, being like, and we're going to raise the bar a little bit or, or not, right? Sort of yes, depends but, on, on what works for everybody. But if there is something that needs to change, it doesn't mean we can't ask for those changes. I know I made that mistake a bunch. I was like, self-love and love, unconditional love. And I put up with all sorts of shit that like was not good for me, was not good for anybody because I was like, self-love. So I always have to put that little like addendum. It's like self-love and make things better, you know, if that's uh -huh. what you want. But you see, yeah. this is nice to talk about because in the end, when it comes to the relationship, for example, with, when, you, when you asked in your, um, some of the questions that we talked about, you know, mm -hmm. um, also there's this thing about what is it really that you give your clients, you know, what do you give your clients when you work mm. with parents or with people in terms of, you know, coaching and so on. And it's that space. That space mm -hmm. to say, okay, what are my expectations? Where am I at in my expectations? Where am I in my reality? How do I feel the gap in a way? You know, it's like mm -hmm. if you work on that, you will always come to a place of more reality, of more center because mm. you work on those expectations and the expectations go deep inside your unconscious, you know, your subconscious mm -hmm. or your mm -hmm the beliefs that are there. So I think that's one of the biggest works, you know, to do as, as you know, for me, it's kind of a big passion to help people go there. And, and because I've been in that journey, but at the same time, people to do it, you know, on their own, just to go mm -hmm. and say, okay, where is it that I am in terms of how many layers do I have to really take off? Like there's a beautiful exercise where you say, you sit somebody somewhere and you say, okay, 
for everything that society would tell to that person, we put on a towel. So what, what oh do God. you get? It's beautiful because <laughs> then people say, so you have an audience, right? And you're talking about, you know, expectations or, and so people say, okay, what do you expect? In terms, like, so if you're a boy or a girl, what do you expect from a boy or a girl? towel what do you expect from a person that is in this community or in this neighborhood a towel what do you expect from education what are you supposed to do from school have good grades or do your homework or behave or a towel what do you ex expect of marriage and then this is a towel and then but then you realize that a lot of the towels are contradictory and mm. then when you look at the person, the person's covered in towels and you cannot even see their eyes. You know, it's like, told. and then <laughs> when you become an adult, you're like, okay, one towel off. I don't have to be weak to be a woman or a girl, or I don't have to be a crybaby or the drama queen or all these things that are put into labeled for women or a mm -hmm. boy doesn't have to be insensitive or mm -hmm. he doesn't have to be, you know, you know, not fearful. Sometimes fear is part of, mm -hmm. and so you start getting rid of, I don't have to be the best. I don't have mm -hmm. to be. And you start getting rid of unpeeling yourself in order to come out and shine, you know, and see mm -hmm. who is it that, that is here that I can be. I love that. I love that example because you could, I could just picture this, you know, this person so covered in towels that you couldn't possibly even tell who they were or what they were. And, and that's like, like we mentioned earlier, you know, that's how people end up in highly successful careers, miserable, or that's how they end up, you, you know, they really want to be mothers, but they end up with all of these expectations for their children and their children end up, you know, smart, you know, we're, we're, we're like, oh, I don't want this towel. I'm going to put it on you. You know, yes. <laughs> but these, no, these have been smothering me my whole life. Like here, yes. I have a whole pile of towels and how beautiful it, it is to, to be on that journey, you know, that you and I are on as conscious motherhood where we're going, okay, I see I have these towels. I've got a whole pile of them in the corner that I'm not wearing anymore. I'm not going to put any of those on my kids, right? Yes. I'm just going to let those be in the corner. I'm just going to watch who my children are and see what happens with them, right? I'm just going to see who they turn out to be. Yes. And, and then encourage, some, some... encourage those. And some, some other important part of, about the emotions that some people embrace the big, positive emotions. And mm -hmm. there's a moment where you say, okay, what about the bad ones? What do you do with the bad emotions? You can't mm -hmm. suppress them, but you're taught to. Mm -hmm. So people sometimes become very, very cold because they have been taught to suppress sadness, suppress mm -hmm you know, feelings of fear or of, um, you know, anger. You can't be that angry or you can't mm. be that sad or you can't be. And, and then you say, no, yeah, you can. You have <laughs> to feel. Mm -hmm. It's to feel that you have the sadness. The sadness comes as a feeling. You have to feel it. But mm -hmm. then you have to learn to feel it and move forward, you know. Mm -hmm. So how do yeah, you embrace your it. sadness? I don't know, but it comes to me moments when I was little mm -hmm. where I would cry and I knew crying was supposed to be sad and I would be so happy crying. And I was, I would think that now it comes to me where I was like, oh, this feels so good yeah. to cry yeah. because I, yeah. you know, that was my feeling, but you don't, 
that was my process at that time. But usually, especially for boys, like you don't cry. You yeah. know, it's bad. Cry, you're sad. That person is so sad. And, and that, I even do it. It's like, why are you so sad? I'm like, I'm not sad. I just want to be alone. Mm. It's like we don't really give a place for the emotions to be what they are because we judge them. And mm -hmm. we are not supposed to. We are supposed to just feel them mm. and feel sadness and then yeah. let it go, you know, well, and, open and up the space parents, to. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go uh, ahead. So I like what you're going to like, say. <laughs> you're psychic. Um, the, so as, as parents, like the reason that we have such a hard time being present with our children's emotions is a because we didn't have role models who were present for our emotions right we were told to be quiet don't too loud don't cry whatever that might be is not appropriate you're in school whatever it might be right we didn't have that role modeling and second of all so so because we didn't have that role modeling we then have unprocessed emotion from our own childhoods and when our children are literally re reflecting those unprocessed emotions right back at us right they're reflecting it right back at us. And we go, oh my God, you're so sad. That reminds me of, I, I have mirror neurons. Oh my God, all my sadness is here. <gasps> now I feel so sad and you feel so sad and I'm a mom. I can't be, I can't be crying while you're crying. I have to be strong and telling you not to feel your emotions, right? Because that's what was role models. So there's, again, this like cognitive dissonance of um, wanting, you know, wanting to feel sad or maybe feeling sad just because, oh, my little sweetheart's sad. That makes me sad that they're sad, right? Like that's a normal, yeah. natural human reaction. But then when yes. we've got like all these towels that you were talking about, all these layers on top, it becomes really, really hard to do that. And so I think that when we have, you know, when, especially when our children have these big emotions, it's so important to be able to just hold them or give them space, whatever it is that they need and say, it's okay. Mm -hmm. You can take your time, feel what you're feeling, feel it all the way through. And then when you're ready, we can talk about it. Do you need a hug? If you want a hug, I'm here. You know, it's like whatever these things are. That that that's that's been a really a, a way that I've handled that well. And even as parents, it's like, oh, you're feeling really upset. You know, if you have a co-parent, you can go, wow, that, my child being so upset triggered me so much. I need to go cry. Excuse me, mom, yes. we'll be right back. You know, dad or uncle or um, auntie or big sister or big brother or whoever it is is going to hang out with you for a minute because I need to go process maybe alone, maybe on my own. And role modeling that like it's okay to, you know, sob in the kitchen for a minute and a half and then be totally fine again. Like how valuable is that to children? Yes, I, I, I agree with you. And, and it's, um, you know, some, sometimes I even take it to a place where I, um, so there's two ideas that are interesting here. One is that sometimes mainly the, the ones that have to go look for help or self-work are the adults, not the kids. Yeah. If we work on ourselves, we'll figure it out with the kids, you know? Yeah. Usually yeah, we sure. talk about the kid has an issue. We have to take them somewhere and it's the parent who has the issue. So mm -hmm. if you work on your issue and you find a place where you can explore these things in you, you'll be a lot more clear in what to do with the kids. So that's one big one. People, parents are always saying they need to find a therapist or a psychologist or help about the child. And usually it's yeah. not about the child. So that's one. And the second one is that when you realize, and that's kind of what I do, it's a little bit woo-woo, uh, but I try to do that. When you realize that there's things that you have passed to your kids that don't belong to them, 
which is mm -hmm. like a next step in consciousness that you really say, okay, my kid has gotten my bad mood because I had a problem in my job or whatever. And I've just come to throw all that crap energy to them. And they, they had to deal with that. When I realized in lots of different ways that I've done that to my kids, I have figured out ways in which I come to them and say, I need you to give me back my hmm. responsibility. That's my energy. That's my deal. That's not yours. And I just mm -hmm. realized I threw this all on you. So one mm -hmm. day I was talking to my daughter and this, I mean, I took it to an extreme, but I think the extreme sometimes here work and it worked for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and that's why I say a little woo woo because I told her, Hey, um, I think this happened and you got a lot of crap from me. So uh, are you really mad or because she was mad and I, you know, wouldn't accept the madness or whatever. And she would say, yes, I am. And I say, how mad are you? And she was like, I'm really mad. I'm like, you know what? So would it make you feel better? You just give it all back to me. And she was like, mom, you're so weird. And I was like, well, <laughs> are you mad? And it's like, what happens if I tell you, take this watermelon, there was a watermelon. And I say, you want to throw it and smash it and, and get rid of all that crap I gave you. And, and would you do that? And my daughter's all like, you know, she wants to, she, everything is kind of done right. She's very, and she's got an Austrian dad. So, <laughs> so she's very, and, and I, and I'm like, and she was like, are you sure? I'm like, is she going to do it? And she was like, are you sure, mom? And I say, well, of course I'm sure. I mean, if you're really mad and you want to smash the, smash it as hard as you want, but get rid of that. It doesn't belong to you. She took the watermelon and smashed it on the floor. And it was like, and I was like, oh, wow. Because she really needed to. Yeah. She, will, she was not, it was not a conversation. We were at a point where we were fighting or anything anymore. She needed to get rid of everything I had put on her. So sometimes mm. these small strategies of going to your son or daughter and say, hey, you know what? This, let's say, let's say these bullets I threw to you and they don't belong to you. I need them back. So I give them to them and I say, think about what you received that does not serve you and give it back to me and they grab them and they give them back to me. And mm. I feel as a symbol, it's important. Mm -hmm. It works, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because it's a way of saying, ah, I just got rid of some weight and you, mm -hmm. and it's just in your mind, but mm -hmm. the symbol for a child works in terms of mm -hmm. saying, I do not have to carry that anymore. Mm -hmm. And it has, for example, in, parent, in, in families where there's divorce going on or conflict within the parents or whatever, it's very important because they carry a lot mm -hmm. of things that have to do with your emotions. Adults, you know, they love each other, they don't love each other, they fight, you know, for custodies or whatever. You know, those things where you say, you know what, every stress you get there, give it back to me. And mm -hmm. especially know that you don't know in your relationships in the future what's going to really work out or not mm. and so mom and dad are trying to figuring it out also to figure out also what's going on but it belongs to their connection 
not to you. Mm -hmm. So there's mm -hmm. nothing here that has to do with you. And all those things that you have received that confuse you, give them back to us. We are the ones in this relationship, you know? It's like, and I think that works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a super, super beautiful, like using the physical objects as those physical mm -hmm. symbols. The watermelon story is great. It's just like, yeah, sometimes you just need to destroy something to like make yourself... <laughs> you know, to get, to really get like the intensity of it out. Yeah. And yes. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. This has been so good. I so appreciate um, our conversation. Um, it's I'm been just looking, great. Yeah. I'm just looking at the time and I want to um, honor your time and my time and our future listeners time. And, and so I want to give you an opportunity. Uh, if there's any, if there's any last sort of gems that you want to share, any last thoughts that you want to share before we wrap up for today. Well, um, especially to go back again to that idea of uh, we're all in this not knowing where we're going, what we're doing. And the only thing we can do is just embrace being who you are, who you are. And mm. that requires a lot of work. It requires the work of trying to come back to a more integrated self where you feel more with your stomach, with your heart, where your brain is part of it, but it's not the leader, uh, you know, the leader of everything that's going on around, around you. And when you manage to do that, you start feeling things that were lost. Mm. And, and there's, it's not about, you know, I would say everything we consider successful all the expectations we have about what is successful are nothing, are nothing. Because what really becomes to be the, you know, the purpose is to enjoy the path of being here in the life we have right now. That's, that's what we have. That's our purpose. And the only way to be it is to be who you are. We all have a space in the universe because we are born so you have a space that belongs to you it's your space and to me the main lesson here for for us all is to embrace your little space and try to 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 be you know to be okay with that whatever it is and work around yourself to find out what, what is the, that space for you and, and, and to get rid of all these layers that you have over you that don't, don't you know, that they, they just don't let you see that that space mm -hmm. is for you. Mm. And especially with this, especially get rid of the shame. No shame mm. about anything. No shame. Be proud of all your mistakes. Be proud of everything you are because that's the first step. To open up a space for you is to just say there's no shaming here of anything I've done and that's mm. why the, your question about how to deal with with the mistakes you make as a parent mm -hmm. is very important because you you deal with it with no shame mm. you deal with your mistake as a human being because that's you know you're coming here to learn and to explore and it's a journey so when you get rid of the shame then you can come openly and say you know what this happened it's fine there's no shame and when mm. there's no shame there's space for all the better vibrations that there are you know we all have different energetic you know vib you know there's a there's an energetic 
the energy, the waves of the energy you carry with you have a frequency and that puts you in a place. Shame is the bottom. Mm -hmm. And when you are vibrating at a certain frequency, that's what you attract. So get rid of the shame and feel, come to gratitude, come to forgiveness, come to a space of understanding, come to love. And those are going to put you in a good place to just start, you know, just start your, you know, to be you and to experience from a place of, you know, a place of, of a good energy and not the opposite. So that's kind of my last message. Love it. I love it. Thank you so much. I got goosebumps. Like, yes. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, so, so, so good. Yeah. Well, I so appreciate you sharing. I know that you have a book coming out or a book that just came out because we're in it together. Um, I actually have one here. I wonder if I can lift it up without messing up my laptop. Look, check it out. Yes. Changemakers. How love exciting. Love it. Lo love those eyes. Yeah, and this is your second one, so that's really exciting. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you if they want to reach out, if they felt resonant with you and think that you could help them in their journey? Okay, so I have, um, I have uh, my, you can do my Facebook. You can contact me through Facebook. I have Ana Orozco, A-N-A-O-R-O-Z-C-O. And uh, it's, it's, you're going to find it with Plan and Thrive. That's the name of my kind of um, business. Um, I say kind of because I have different projects. I have one other place where they can reach me and it's called Empathize to Rise. There's a Facebook page for that. And there's also an Instagram. So it's Empathize and then the number two and Rise and uh, there's a Facebook for that. And there's also an Instagram. And that's very, you know, that's a big project for me right now. I'm, I have a lot of energy put into trying to promote empathy levels and uh, teach people how to manage conflict more successfully. And so if people are going through moments of conflict or even challenges within their work or or uh, in parenting, I, you know, I'm all for supporting and opening up spaces to think about all these things. And, and so, yeah. Um, so emails, Anna, A-N-A dot Orozco, O-R-O-Z-C-O at planandthrive.com or empathize to rise at gmail.com. Great. Got all the ways. I love it. That's so great. <laughs> Thank you so much, Anna. I really appreciate it. Let's just say bye to the audience and Thank you, Elena. And thank you okay. all for being here. It was a pleasure. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Remember, if you love the podcast, there's so much more on our website, bulletproofmoms.com. And we would so appreciate that you subscribe, share our podcast with your friends, and give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you're viewing this as it helps us reach more people. Even if I've tried to do this in the past and it's been unsuccessful or I've given up and I felt like I could never change, I can completely change. Follow your breath and you contract those intrinsic muscles as you follow your breath and you bring that breath all the way up to that pineal gland. One of the most valuable concepts that I personally learned is that in order to reach the level of success, 
Come and be part of the tribe, come be part of the experience, and get your full access pass so that you can see all of the things that are being created, experience all of the things that are being created. This is literally just a demo and just a toe in the ice of what is available in terms of audio and content that is highly programmable into your subconscious in your highest, highest possibility. And so I thoroughly encourage you, if you are into personal development, if you watch this thing all the way to the end, you're, there's clearly something here for you and I want to have you as part of the tribe. So I love you. Have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day and I'll see you on the other side in the tribe. Sugar addiction and addiction in general and she filled me with this beautiful knowledge and power that I always knew was inside me but just needed I think a little bit of coaxing to come out. I can actually tell that there's been a big shift and it's not just superficial. It's on a fundamental level. Um, my thought processes are different and that's such a beautiful gift because I've been working really hard to get rid of this sugar addiction as I'm sure a lot of people are and you know I lost a ton of weight and then I hit that plateau and there's that one thing that's super hard to beat and thanks to Elena I think I definitely have it. This time I'll beat the addiction to sugar. I'm on a big mission to end family trauma in this generation and so I'm working with conscious moms to create a powerful change where we can become bulletproof, where we have no triggers, where our children cannot touch us, no matter what they throw at us, so that we can be the kind of moms that we needed and the kind of moms that we want to be for this new generation so that we can end rape, we can end trauma, we can end neglect, we can end sexual shame, we can end consumerism, we can end screen addiction, we can end all of these things by how we choose to parent and how we show up in the world. So I invite you to be here here on this journey with me and I'm looking forward to seeing you on the other side so get your name and email in that box and join me on this journey it's going to be an incredible seven days where you are guided every day to understand how to create better habits how to not give up and how to implement the 60 second hack to rewire your brain so that you know that no matter what's happening you'll come back to a loving place fast love you I'll see you on the other side moment and your future but also your perceptions of your past so that you look at your past and your life and you already see all of the places where you have integrated this change and had been previously unaware of it thank you so much for being here today with me and you've done great work today not only for yourself but for our collective consciousness I'll see you here tomorrow have a beautiful beautiful day.